Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Podcast, the podcast where we talk to people who are good at what they do to inspire leaders to get better. Folks, my name is Jared Hogue, and I'm joined with the one, the only Roman, the great leader that he is, Johnson, everybody. That one got so sentimental. Thank you, Jared. Absolutely. Appreciate it. You know, Roman. I'm just just out here trying my best. (laughs) You are, you're just such a a hungry individual and you're, I've I've seen you lead the team that you lead now and I I just think you do a phenomenal job at it. Hey, thanks, man. Appreciate it. Likewise. Likewise, indeed. I appreciate it. I appreciate that. I appreciate your appreciation. Um, You know, Roman, this is episode 66, episode 66 of the podcast. The number of man. Is is that, is that? I think so. I mean, six. Oh, I six gotcha. Remember, <laughs> you got me a yeah. little confused there for a bit. Uh, we're joined today by Dean Hawk. Uh, Dean is the senior pastor of Rock Family Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. Uh, he's got a ton of ministry experience. He's been in the ministry for over 35 years, Roman. Ooh. That's a long time. That's a very long time. Um, it's longer than I've been alive. Me too. Me too. And, you know, it's an amazing conversation. We're actually talking about staff abuse. And now that doesn't sound like a really sexy uh, topic to cover, but he gets into some really interesting stuff. And we'll save that for the interview. Uh, but again, episode 66. And uh, Roman, this episode is brought to you by creativesheep.org. Why don't you tell everyone what they might find over at creativesheep.org? Jared, if someone were to open their browser, maybe on their desktop or their phone, type in creativesheep.org, they'll be taken to a beautiful webpage where they will, uh, they'll find premium media for the church, okay? And uh, there's pre-made media, they can, there's videos, uh, graphics, series packs, they can get it all there. Maybe you're on a creative team at a church, just go there, check out the library. Or if you want something custom, you can hit us up and we'll make you something custom from scratch uh, using uh, creativity and uh, the hottest the hottest techniques on the market for producing uh, visual con- content. There you have it, folks. Make sure you swing by creativesheep.org. Roman, we've got another announcement that we've got to make here. Announcement sounds so uh, stale. It sounds very, very stale. Um, I don't know how else to say it, though. But uh, We've got to proclaim something. We do have to procl- proclaim something. You know, earlier this year with the Leadership Podcast, we, we went to uh, releasing an episode every single week. And as much fun as this has been, uh, it's been a, a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a lot of fun. Uh, we are actually going to make a change, and we're actually going to go back to every other week. And here's why. Uh, producing a podcast, if you did not know, it's a lot of work. Uh, getting great guests to come on the show, prepping for these interviews, uh, recording these intros and outros. There's a lot that goes into these episodes. And uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but Roman works a full-time job. I also work a full-time job. Plus, I'm up here in New England helping plant a church. And we run this company called Creative Sheep. Plus, we both have families and kids. And so the, the workload was just becoming too much. And so we had a heart-to-heart conversation, and we decided the best thing to do would be to scale it back to every other week. And so we may eventually go back to every week. We may go back to once a month. I don't know right now. 
Uh, we definitely know we want to keep bringing you guys this great content, uh, but we know for our own sanity uh, and to put into practice some of the things we've been learning from the amazing guests that we have on this show, we've got to make sure that our priorities stay our priorities. And so we're going to be cutting this back to every other week. So stay subscribed. You can keep sharing, keep leaving reviews. Uh, we're just going to be releasing every other week rather than every week. Roman, anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Also, another reason is is we we want to we don't want to water down the content. So we don't want to just take any and every Joe Schmo out there and put them on the on the show. Uh, and if if we're right now every week getting these guests, it is becoming difficult to do that. And so we want to bring great value, great content. And we believe that if we go every other week, we'll be able to uh, up the value of the of each episode. So, yeah, and, and like Roman said, we've got some amazing guests coming up. So Frank Beeler's coming back on the show. Uh, we've got After that, we're going to be doing a little mini-series. This is the first time we'll have done this. We're doing a little mini-series on church planning. We've got sev- several episodes of church planters uh, coming on the show, talking about how they got started, different things they did. It's going to be a lot of fun. Um, but just wanted to let you all know about that. We appreciate you so much for listening um, and sharing and all that you're doing right now. Um, we just we, we couldn't and wouldn't do this without you. And so, uh, anyways, let's get to it. Today is episode 66 with Pastor Dean Hawk uh, coming at you from Colorado Springs, Colorado. Check it out. Well, Pastor Dean, I really appreciate you taking the time to stop by. I know you're a super busy guy and uh, over in the beautiful state of Colorado, but just wanted to say thanks for taking some time to talk with us today. Totally. Uh, glad, honored, glad and honored to be a part of, of what you're doing. Yeah. So just uh, give, us, give us a snapshot here. How'd you get where you are? I know you've got a very rich history in, in what you're doing and um, are really going to identify with a lot of our listeners out there with, with your past. Um, so just kind of tell us how, how you got where you are and what you're doing today. Well, I, I'd have to, I'd have to, I'd have to, question on rich history because I was a youth pastor for 20 years, and that's not exactly a rich history. <laughs> well, 22 uh, decades in youth ministry. I mean, for uh, any youth pastors or kids kids pastors out there listening, that's that's some serious time yeah. in next year. Well, so here's, here's, my, here's my background. Uh, uh, going back to, uh, to, to my mother's womb, um, <laughs> somewhere in there, God... Uh, God called and ordained me to uh, a full-time career in ministry. And, uh, and so I had the privilege of growing up in a Christian home. My grandfather was a United Methodist pastor and, uh, I was born again from a life of crime and sin at the age of eight. And, uh, and, uh, and then uh, at age 16, felt that in high school, felt that call to uh, full-time ministry, went and pursued, uh, went to Bible college. And then, uh, so my ministry career began uh, way back in 1981. And I know some of your listeners are on the younger edge, and that's a little hard to believe. But uh, um, anyway, so started in 1981 and uh, went, ended up, I'm originally from Colorado, but uh, ended up in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and I was a youth pastor there for uh, uh, 14 years, and then was back in your old neck of the woods in Tulsa uh, in the late 90s, um, and I was youth pastor there in Tulsa for five years. Wow. While I was there, I taught uh, youth ministry at Rama Bible College, so yeah. I was youth pastor and and taught youth ministry. So I've got I've got a lot of youth ministry gurus around the country and around the world that I helped uh, 
hopefully helped teach and train. And, uh, and then in 2000, uh, just, uh, I'd always known I would come back to Colorado Springs since I left. I wasn't sure what or how. And in 2000, uh, my wife and our, our three kids, we took the, the leap of faith and, uh, came to Colorado Springs, just knew we were supposed to be here. And I thought it was going to be, I was one of those youth guys that, you know, I'll be 70, I'll be a Jeannie Mayo of sorts, you know, I'll be 70 and still doing youth ministry. And uh, so anyways, moved, moved here to the spring, started Dean Hawk Ministries. We tra- I traveled for about four years. And then in 2003, the Lord began to really minister and shift me in my heart about stepping over to the dark side. That's the way I viewed it as a youth pastor, is the dark side of senior pastor leadership. It was like, no. <laughs> and so the Lord convinced me to shift over to the senior lead, uh, senior pastor role back in 2003. And then I could, I could still change a generation of teenagers by, by changing a generation of adults that mm. would ultimately, they have the greatest impact. Mom and dad has the greatest impact on the the direction and course of a of their sons and daughters. So, um, 2004, we planted Rock Family Church with 52 people, and uh, we're coming up on 13 years. And we have uh, uh, two campuses here in Colorado Springs, Colorado, and uh, uh, five services a weekend. Uh, one of those is our Spanish. We have a Spanish pastor and a Spanish service, and four of those. Uh, or in English, three at one service, another English and the Spanish at our South Campus. So uh, that's a little background on on the ministry side of it. And then uh, married to my beautiful wife, Kim, for 33 and a half years now. And uh, she is my best friend of life. And we have three awesome uh, kids who are no longer kids, but they're all in their mid-late 20s. Alicia, Allison, Preston, two daughters and a son. Nobody's married yet, no grandkids yet, but we are official empty nesters, and uh, we are we are enjoying this season of life. We enjoy parenting, but we're enjoy, enjoying the empty nester side of life. That's fantastic. So that's kind of our, our nutshell. Yeah, that's great. So you've been doing ministry for quite some time, a few different roles. But you've been doing this for quite some time. And, you know, I'm really excited about our conversation today because as we were communicating back and forth about this, there were a few things that you said that really stood out to me. And and so let's just dive in here. You, you One of the things you okay. said is that in over three and a half decades of ministry, there's kind of a secret code, if you will, when it comes to working in ministry. Would you would you kind of describe this for us? And it's pro- this isn't like one of those sexy things. This isn't like... Uh, uh, one of the things that people love to talk about, but it's kind of important to talk about this. So tell us what you're talking about here. For sure. Um, I call it the secret code because it, I've, I've witnessed it. I've seen it firsthand. I, I would say most of it uh, has come through um, stories of friends and ministry friends and when I was traveling, I was in all kinds of different churches and sizes and shapes and flavors, and it just be, it began to irritate me. And uh, and I know so many so many people are wounded today 
and it's it's basically this, Jared, is um, there is this um, uh, unauthorized of God secret code that you can treat people who work for you however you want, and you can do it all in the name of we're doing God's work, and I'm God's man, or I'm God's woman, and you need to do what I say. And uh, really, the secret code is called staff abuse. And it's it's really rampant in the body of Christ. There's lots of good leaders, but there is a lot of staff abuse that is going on in 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 the church that I see today. So let's talk a little bit further about staff abuse, because I'm I'm assuming we're not talking about like physical abuse or, or things of that nature. Um, are, what what kind of abuse are we talking about? Is it just Treating, like I know you mentioned, like treating people however we want. Like, let's expound on that just a little bit, just to provide some clarity around what it is that we're talking about here. Yeah, um, it can be. I'll, I'll just throw out some big ideas and 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 things that I've seen and witnessed and and heard. Um, um, so it here's the way I would describe it. It's it's a demanding leader. It's a disrespectful leader. It's it's a leader that demeans and belittles their staff, maybe calls their staff out from the platform and belittles them and, and that kind of thing. I have heard of people that literally are taken to the room um, on a Sunday morning if something went wrong and it's backstage and they are cussed out. Not like using the word freaking, but I'm saying cussed out using the explicatives to uh that's that's an extreme i would hope that doesn't happen often but i i know of that happening um to um um the 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 micromanaging the kind of the taskmaster driver that is pushing 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 the staff and why would you need a day out you have saturday you don't need another day to um, lack of trust, failure to delegate, um, um, you know, to, I, here's what I would even in, include, Jared, in, in staff abuse is um, not communicating with my staff, not having relationships with them. Um, I remember when I was traveling once, you know, the, the glow guy on the totem pole picks up the guest speaker, mm-hmm. you know, from the airport and gets him back and and he's the driver for the weekend or something, and he begins to kind of warm up. And I'll never forget this question. He said, it's about the second day I was there, he says, uh, uh, and this is somewhere in the USA, not anybody of any church that's listening here. Um, <laughs> but he says, he says uh, hey, can I ask a question? He said, when you were working in your churches and, and so forth, he said, uh, he said, how often should you have you know, do you think a pastor should have a staff meeting? And I said, what do you mean? Like, what are you, what are you calling staff? Well, you know, just to meet with the staff, to coordinate with them and what's happening in the church. And he said, you know, he was, he was the youth pastor. And, and, uh, I said, well, every church I've worked in, we've had a staff meeting on a weekly basis. Don't you? And he gets this starry gaze look. He goes, no, we never meet as a staff. He said, in fact, the last time I had a one-on-one or a personal conversation other than hello, pastor, was six months ago when I had a butt chewing out. 
And that was because I wasn't doing what he wanted me to do, but I didn't know what he wanted me to do because he never talks to me and tells me what he wants me to do. Wow. (laughs) And so it's, you know, it's, and so there's a lot of, I did a Facebook post about a year ago. Uh, I'd heard about a situation. I just kind of wrote a blog on Facebook and, uh, the numbers on this subject of staff abuse and, and, you know, and the number of private messages, emails, comments of people that are no longer in active ministry, hate the church, won't go to church because they've been hurt, wounded, or offended by a senior leadership. It, the numbers are astounding, and it's sad. Wow. You know, my next question was going to be, why is this not okay? But I feel like we kind of already addressed it. But I think it, I think there's a reason why it's not okay at an even higher level, not just the fact that, like, these people are no longer in ministry, that people are being wounded. But, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, we're supposed to be the church, like, not just to, yeah. not just to the people that come sit in the pews or the seats on Sundays, but doesn't that start with our staffs and volunteers? Well, sure. And, and it's, you know, I go back to Jared, um, you know, when you say, why is this not okay? I, I would go and answer and say, it's not okay because it's not what Jesus modeled to us. Mm. And, and somewhere in the, somewhere in the, in the closets of ministerial ethics, some things came out like, don't get too close to your staff or they'll disrespect you. Mm. Don't be friends with people in your church or your leadership or your staff, um, that you have to keep this holy hedge around you. Um, and I'll, I'll step on some sacred cows, but, um, I have a hard time with, with the man of God or the woman of God who's kept in the back room, um, comes in on the second or third or fourth worship song, teaches, teaches, uh, delivers their message from God, and then has to be escorted out to the Holy of Holies. Um, so that, because if they get around people that it'll diminish or hinder the anointing and, to me, I've found that the anointing is increased. Uh, the anointing is for the people. And the more I'm around people, the greater I sense the anointing of God. Mm. But there's just some of these stereotypes. And, and I'm reminded of like uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, when the people came and said, your father put a heavy yoke on us, um, lighten the harsh labor and, and, and the heavy yoke he put on us, and we will serve you. And so he consults with the elders and they said, yes, if you'll do this, if you'll serve them and give them a favorable answer, they will, they will always be your servants. And then he makes the mistake and he goes and consults with his young friends. And they said, man, double down on what your dad did. And so Rehoboam comes back in his leadership and he says, my father made your yoke heavy. I'll make it heavier. My father scourged you with whips. I'm going to scourge you with scorpions. And long story short, the people ended up killing uh, the man in charge of his forced labor. Rehoboam escapes, um, and the people rebelled, and it put Israel into uh, a chaos and a rebellion. And that's what I see happens in our, in our church today, in God's family today, 
is is the harsh leadership um, hurts and wounds people, and it's it's not modeling the way Jesus, you know, really that we see as I as I look in in the Gospels, um, the way he modeled. Mm. That's so good. So if there's a, I like what you touched on there that you're going to step on some sacred cows, and that the 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 senior leader that only comes in on the third or fourth song, delivers a message, and then you sit, like you said, escorted back. When that is modeled, could that kind of pour down into the youth ministry and into the kids' ministry? And basically, as a youth pastor or kids' pastor, you do kind of the same thing? Well, sure. We, we, We are a reflection of who has the greatest influence in our life. And, and, uh, I was speaking, I'll just say in the last year, I was speaking at a, uh, at a conference and, uh, uh, on that subject, I was hanging out after I was done. I'd been there a couple of days and I was hanging out and, uh, someone came up to me and they said, uh, and they named another speaker there and he was a younger speaker, um, but came from a kind of a ministry lineage, a tremendous lineage ministry background. And they said, why, why is he, he never hangs out with the people? Why, why is that? And I, I, I just said, well, I said, uh, and they said, we just like it that you're here. And I said, well, that's fine. I just, I'm a pastor. I'm a shepherd. I'm not a traveling speaker. Um, and uh, here's another sacred cow. I think if that I'll step, I'll step right into that. If, if you're going to be a shepherd where that's youth or children or adults, um, I think a shepherd should smell like sheep. And sometimes that means you're going to smell like sheep doo doo too, because you're going to step in their messes. And so I think as a, as a pastor and a leader, I should be around my sheep. And so I just said, you know what, he's a young minister and all he is doing is modeling what he has seen lived out in front of him for how many ever years that he's been a part of that organization. Mm. And so we, we tend to reflect that. Um, and, and, uh, I've always worked for pastors that are touchable, um, and I've, that's just the, the, the path that I've, that I've always taken. Um, and I go back to, you know, if we look at the life of Jesus, um, uh, he, he gave, he gave two, two anchor things to me are this, is he said, uh, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom. And so I see my role as a, as a lead pastor or a, a lead youth pastor, or I might be a volunteer coordinator at a church, um, take the position but apply the principles. I think the key to be an effective leader is to serve my team. Mm. And I see so many leaders see their position is the people are the pawns and they are there to serve me. And they end up with an elitist kind of attitude and, uh, and Jesus, you know, I, I love the picture when Jesus began to wash the feet and they said, no, 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 we should wash your feet. He says, no, I'm going to model how I want you to lead. And, and this is the way I want you, I want to serve you. And when you serve somebody, it, it creates a, a love and a loyalty and a faith versus so many times leaders want to lead out of a a law or a duty, an obligation. I am the leader and you will serve me. 
I don't want them leading, following me out of, man, we better follow him or he's going to take us out or I lose my job. Um, how long is that loyalty going to last? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so, uh, two summers ago, this will be our third summer. I had this, had this idea in my heart forever that I, I, I wanted an ice cream truck and we we're going to go hit the neighborhoods and the parks and we're going to give away free ice cream to kids and invite them to our rock kids services on Sunday. Just give out invitations, but just be a good steward to the community. And so we're launching that. We get this old FedEx truck, convert it. Uh, there's no air conditioning in the thing. Um, and we're going to take our critters. Uh, we're going to take Rocky and Otis, our chipmunk and our big moose, you know, theme park critters. Well, uh, guess who was the first guy in the moose costume on a, on a truck in the middle of summer with no air conditioning? And so I get in the suit and I'm standing on asphalt. And I said, I said to the, one of the people after standing out there for 20 minutes at the first stop, I go, hey, 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 where's the cold packs? Where's the cold packs for this suit? And this fan's not working in this head. I'm dying in here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and so... Uh, Let's just say by the following weekend, we had fans in the heads and cold packs for the suits, um, and it was hot, and it was muggy and sweaty, And but here's the deal. When the next person got in the following week um, uh, and, and said, we're going to go reach our city with giving away free ice cream, I'd kind of set the standard. I'm not too good to be, to be in a critter costume, you know, not that I'm going to do it every week. I, I don't have time to. Uh, when we were launching our church, I was pushing carts. We were church portable, and I'm pushing carts and putting up lights and 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 running cable. Um, I could I could pull the seniority card. Well, I'm the man of God, the leader of God, uh, the senior leader. I don't need to, but none of my volunteers could complain because they said, "How can I complain? He's there." Right. So it's it's leading by example. You know, it's, it's leading by, by doing and, and uh, serving them. And when I serve them, I find that they serve me. But uh, one of the most profound things that I think Jesus ever said that kills the sacred cow I mentioned of don't let people get close to you in ministry is he said, I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I've called you friends. Everything I've learned from my father, I make known to you. Wow. And to me, that is the epitome of senior leadership, whether, whether you're in the ultimate senior, but maybe you're the head of your department or whatever that is. And so I made a decision when we started to lead and started to pastor a church that um, I'm going to bring these people into my world. And I'm going to have them over to my house and I'm going to go out to dinner with them and I'm going to have time with them and, and they're going to see my kids and that my kids aren't perfect. And, um, I'm going to engage and not that I'm, you know, the, the counterpart to that is, well, I'm not trying to be buddy buddies, but I'm going to be friends and they might not be a best friend, a covenant friend, as I might would say, but they're going to there is going to be a friendship and there's going to be a camaraderie when we work together, when we serve together, when we, you know, going through the, the tough seasons of ministry. 
And, and so I'm going to do those things that create that community and that family culture um, with my team. Um, and so that's just the way I have chosen to lead. And, and so like on Mondays, um, our staff day out is, is on uh, Friday, so they get Friday and Saturday. But on Mondays, when I go to lunch with my, my, past, my guy pastors, it's kind of our accountability lunch, we're not talking about what needs to get done or what should be done and did we call the, the, the Smith family. It is, how are, your, how are your kids doing? How'd your daughter do in the tournament last, last weekend? What's, how are you and Jesus doing? What are you reading and what is the Holy Spirit saying to you? And, and I'm answering those same questions as well. I'm, I'm opening and exposing my heart um, because I have found that if, if I'll open my heart, they'll open their heart. But uh, so many times I, I hear of leaders that want their staff to follow them into, you know, up the, up the mountain or into the battle, and they don't know their heart. And when I expose my heart and people see that I'm a real person and, and hear who I am, man, they're willing to lay down their life for you. Because what did Jesus say? Who's willing to lay down your life for your friends? I won't lay down my life for a stranger. You know, if, if you called me out of the blue and said, hey, Jim Bob in, in Texas needs a kidney transplant. Well, I, I'd be hard stretched to offer up a kidney. But I'll, I'll tell you, if one of my staff came and they said, man, I'm, I'm struggling and, and somehow my blood work or I don't know, whatever the DNA match is, you know what? Someone I know and I care for, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be more prone to sacrifice for them mm. because I know them and I know their kids and I know their family and I know their spouse. And I, there's a really high possibility I'm going to give serious consideration to sacrificing one of my kidneys so that they can live. Well, it's that same attitude in ministry. If I'm open and transparent and bring them into my world and me into them, they're going to be more willing to sacrifice for the call and the cause that we're fighting for together than if I'm just the guy who stands back and says, go get them, sick them. And I'm bringing down the whip and the chains. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Man, that's incredible. So, so a couple of the things you're saying there. Number one, we've got to serve the people that we work with or that on an org chart would fall underneath us or that work for us, however you want to put it. Um, and in addition to that, we've got to lead by example. We've got to, we've got to set yeah. the tone. I love what you're talking about there, the, the accountability, accountability lunch that you have with your team on Mondays. And I'm sure that's not open to anybody and everybody. I'm sure it's a very trusted group of people. Um, but it's so cool to hear that you are, are, are setting the tone there, that you are bearing yourself, um, that you're not setting yourself up on that pedestal, um, and, and kind of tag off something you said earlier, that this idea that you have to separate yourself or somehow that's going to inhibit the, right. the, the anointing, which I think that's just kind of an old school corporate mentality that, that moved its way into right. the church. <laughs> and that if you're, you're a senior leader, if you're a CEO or whatever the, the role might be, that somehow you've got to separate yourself from the people. And I, I just love what you're saying there. And so, you know, let, let's just get really practical here because, okay. you know, not everybody that's listening is a senior leader on here. I'm sure we've got some out there, um, but not everyone's a senior leader. And so 
if if someone is finding themselves, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go straight for the for the gullet here. I'm gonna go straight for the gullet. All here. right, I'll uh, take it. <laughs> uh, if someone out there is working for a leader that is is uh, would fall into this category of abusing their staff, what steps should they take? Um, because I, I know that in the church world, for some reason, I love how Carrie Newhoff puts it, that oftentimes we over-spiritualize what happens in the church world, and yet we under-spiritualize what happens in the marketplace. And it's a tricky place to be because, like you said, that oftentimes a senior leader, they're the man or woman of God, that they're the one hearing from God, and so on and so forth, that it, it, get, it does start to get a little muddy, plus they're not just your boss, they're your pastor. This is your, this right. is the, your church. And so I think it gets very muddy when we start to navigate this to think, well, I, I, I don't like this. I don't, I know it's not right, but I feel like I have to stay because after all, this is my church. And so right. how do you navigate as someone who's in a second chair or third chair, fourth chair, it doesn't really matter, but the, the principle sure. of the second chair, how do you navigate when you are working for a leader like this? Um, here would, I'm, I'm going to answer that in a second. Here's what I would say to the, to the staff person. Um, the leader will set the tone as far as someone might hear this podcast and go to their pastor and go, Hey, you should listen to this. This is what I want you to become. <laughs> I don't know if I would, I would just maybe have my earbuds on the next time the pastor came by. And when he said, what are you listening to? Oh, it's a, you know, a leadership podcast, and, and uh, it's a really good one. And, you know, let him fish on his own. Um, but the leader was going to set the prototype. Um, uh, you can't go to your leader and say, hey, this is what I wish you would become, and this is kind of a relationship I want to have with you. So you have to always respond to, to the boundaries, I guess, that the leader would, would set. So example... I know of uh, uh, a staff member that worked at a church for 10 years as a youth pastor, 10 years. I mean, you talk loyal, faithful, committed, they're, they're, they're meeting it. In 10 years, they had one meal with the senior leader. Wow. <laughs> How many times do we see Jesus breaking bread? Right. You know, um, um, he's hanging out, he's hanging out with sinners and, and tax collectors and prostitutes and women at the well. And, and uh, Jesus was a people person. Well, that, that staff member in that position can't say, Hey, pastor, I'd love to go to dinner with you. Pastor, I'd love to connect with you. Um, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta let him or her set that role. What I would say is if you're in a setting, you're, you're working for a leader that you, you are feeling disrespected. You're not feeling valued or um, esteemed. It's, you know, I, I've been in youth ministry, you know, was, was there for 20 years and, and know countless, countless numbers of, of youth pastor friends and or especially children's ministry. Um, you know, children's ministry is many times the thing we have to have to get the adults to come. You know what I'm saying? And and that can be even conveyed um, and because that children's leader doesn't feel valued or respected or they feel like they're in the closet of, of ministry and nobody knows who they are or what they even do. And nobody, even the senior leadership, cares what they are doing. Just make it happen so the adults will come. 
So here would be just a couple big ideas off the top of my head. Number one, when Jesus said, forgive 70 times seven, you might have to forgive 70 times 700 um, so that you don't become bitter in ministry. And maybe potentially the enemy uses that to, to ultimately try and derail your ministry. You have to keep forgiving and just saying, I choose to forgive. I choose to lay it down. I, I, I say that unforgiveness is like a brick in the wall. And every time we choose not to forgive, another brick goes in the wall. And why do we have leaders today in senior leadership who, who won't get close to their staff? Because they've been hurt by people, hurt by members leaving, hurt by leadership leaving, and they've never dealt with the forgiveness. So they take the attitude, I've been hurt so much, it's easier to keep the walls up because then nobody can come into my world and I won't be hurt. I don't think they're intentionally trying to hurt the people, but hurt people hurt people. So I would say to that support staff person, you've got to continually forgive and then remember the wisdom that Paul wrote in, in, in several of his letters, what you are doing, do it not unto men, but do it unto the Lord. The work you are doing is, is not for them. You're doing this for God and for his kingdom and for his purpose. And so remember who your ultimate boss is and remember who you get your ultimate affirmation from. Um, and that if you don't get, I would say, see, I would call staff abuse is not giving your staff the appropriate affirmation and, and confirmation of thanks for being here and thanks for doing a good job. And so I think it's knowing who you work for and that you are daily in God's presence and you're getting his affirmation and you're getting that love of the Father. And then thirdly, I would say pray for your senior leaders. Pray that their heart would be open. Pray that their heart would be healed. Um, pray for opportunity to open. And uh, I'll never forget my one of my first ministry jobs. I, it was just an instinct, I think. But whenever my pastor would travel or go anywhere, he would take one of the staff. I would always take every, I'd be like, I'll go. I spent my first three anniversaries with my pastor and not with my wife. Wow. He was going on a missions trip teaching in Central America. And he said, do you want to go with me? And I said, yes. And so I celebrated our anniversary before, made flowers, got delivered on that day. But I, and some would say, well, I was a fool. I don't know. I, it's a choice I made. But I took any opportunity I could have if he was going to the airport, if he says, I need to run an errand, you want, I took those opportunities when they were presented because, and I didn't go in there with a list, but somewhere in that time frame in that conversation, even if it's an hour drive, maybe not a trip, he would eventually turn and say, so what's new with you? What's happening in your, in, in the student ministry? And, you know, uh, uh, Pastor Joe Brooks at Grace Outreach Center in, in Plano. I worked for him for 10 years. And so I had a very unique relationship with him in that he would, uh, we were, he was my pastor, he was my boss, and he was one of my best friends. And he would say that I was one of his best friends. And so what I would teach the support staff is this, uh, Kim and I and, and Gerald and Jenny would go out 
to dinner and a movie. And so we're on Friendscope, and here's where support staff miss it. They're like, hey, we're here as friends. This is cool. This is good. We're going to a game. We're going to baseball. Whatever. This is great. And all of a sudden, in the middle of dinner, uh, Gerald would say, he'd put on his boss hat, and he would say, did you get a hold of the Johnson kit? And how is he doing? Well, I had to take off my friend hat, put on my employee hat, because he has on his employer hat, and I'd say, yes, sir, I followed up. Here's what happened. Here's what's going on and I'm going to follow up the first of the week as well. Then he asked me about something about the Cowboys. Oh, we're friends now. <laughs> hmm. I can put on the friend hat. And then at the end of the meal, he starts sharing some things in his heart about vision and, and some things that are stirring his heart about the church. Now he's talking as a pastor and a, and a leader, and I've got to recognize that gift and that office that he's functioning in there. And so what I would say to the to the support staff is your pastor, your pastor will allow you to come uh, take, if you picture the target circle, come in rings closer to the center, the more you are willing to adjust when he adjusts and that you don't despise and say, well, I thought we were friends and now you're telling me that I did wrong. Well, no, you're talking to me as my boss and you better call me out when I do something wrong, mm. and I'm not going to get offended as a friend. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. That's really good stuff. So for, for those of us out here listening to this, and, you know, we're, we, like I said, we're not necessarily in the senior leader spot, but we want to make sure that we're not abusing our staffs, whether they're volunteer or pay, doesn't matter. The people that okay. are under our leadership— uh, how do we go about creating that culture where our, our teams feel loved, they feel respected, they feel valued? Um, what are just some very practical things that you would say, do this, and you're going to see yeah. your, your staff, like, they're going to go to the hilt for you? Um, I, would, I would put it this way, be the leader you wish you had. Mm. So let's say you're working for that leader that, man, you're struggling with, what do you wish you had as a leader and become that? And, and hopefully there's some, there's, you know, support staff that has, have a great model and a great, uh, uh, you know, pattern to follow and to duplicate. But I would say break that ministry mold. And depending on the area of the country, the, the denomination or organization that your church or organization runs with, you know, each organization kind of has their different protocols and stereotypes and so forth. I would say break the mold and be the model of a leader that you want so and if, give the people the respect and value that you want. So if you're wanting encouragement, you should be giving encouragement. If you want communication, you should be communicating. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing, right? Exactly. Just just learn those things that you wish you had to support you and your office or your gift or your uh, ministry. And, and uh, because too many times, I, I read one statistic, 97% of those that commit physical or sexual abuse were physically or sexually abused themselves. And, and that unforgiveness reproduces. And so we have to be intentional to steer out of the ruts of ministry that maybe have been established by leaders before us or models that have gone in front of us. 
And, you know, I think it's sad that, like, I think it's great, but I think it's sad that Google um, sets the standard for an office prototype. And there's mm. free food and there's free, free you know, uh, uh, drinks and soft drinks and, and hours are come and easy and come and go. And, and, and it's like, really, a secular organization is going to become the organization that everybody wants to work for because they've, they've what? They've made it an enjoyable place, a positive atmosphere. I feel valued. I feel loved. I feel respected. Um, you know, so I do simple things like, um, uh, if, if one of my, uh, staff, if their kids has a tournament or something on the weekend or on a Sunday, well, go to that if you need to, um, uh, you know, it depends like if it's every weekend, okay, you can't be gone every Sunday, right. you know what I'm saying? Right. But Hey, if the, the tournament has rolled over, we're in the finals we didn't get finished Saturday and it's the summer baseball finals. And my 10 year old is playing in the city, you know, uh, championship and it's rolled to 10 o'clock on Sunday. Well, doggone it. You better be at that game. Don't mm. be here at church. Now cover your duties, make sure it's covered, but you better go to the game. It's, it's that kind of things, um, to simple things like a handwritten note or card is almost unheard. I'll send you a Facebook message. I'll email you. When I get a handwritten note or card still today, I got one was on my desk yesterday when I came in and I was like, oh, oh, they like mailed it, stamped <laughs> it, hand addressed it. And here's what it says to me. The time that they put into that expressed value. It wasn't monetary, but it expressed value to me that they wrote a handwritten note. Yeah. And so it's, it's, uh, you know, uh, someone once said this, uh, if, if pay them as well as you possibly can, and if you pay peanuts, you're going to get monkeys, um, but pay them as possible as well as you can for volunteers. There's another great statement. If praise is the only pay for our volunteers, then make sure and give them a praise raise mm. and that you're giving that encouragement. Um, um, so it's me going up to our ushers. I'm, I'm the lead pastor. I can walk by the ushers and go to my seat, um, or I can walk by the ushers, shake their hand, put my hand on their back, and say, I really appreciate you serving today. It really means a lot to me that you were here early. Thank you for serving. And it's just expressing that uh, value and appreciation for them. It's when my youth pastor, um, his kids are older now, but when my youth pastor kids were younger and it was a youth event that really wasn't conducive to taking his kids on, I said, well, get a babysitter and just turn in the receipt and we'll reimburse you or get petty cash. You know, just, it's all got to be tracked, but you know, uh, and he was like, for real? Wow. I was like, well, yeah, I want your wife to be able to go. Why wouldn't I pay for me to pay, I don't know what babysitting is today. It's probably <laughs> 20 bucks an hour. I'm out of that loop. <laughs> but, but let's say for me to, let's say it costs me 50 bucks or 30 bucks to have his wife involved for that two, three, four hour event. Well, heck, if she wants to be there, I want her to be there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. That's so good. So it's those little things. It's a five or $10 Starbucks card. Um, it's, it's, uh, you know, when my youth or children's comes back from a missions trip or a camp, 
uh, no, we, we were salary. We don't work comp time, but you know, it's saying, Hey, take an extra day off this week. Yeah. You know, um, take your regular day out, but take another one wherever you want to can navigate it. I know you've just worked probably a hundred hour a week, take an extra day, you know, and it's, that's the things that are saying, I appreciate you or it's, Hey, nobody planned lunch for Thursday. We're bringing lunch in for the whole staff. We're going to hang out. We're having tacos. Those simple things, um, create a culture where people want to work and enjoy being a part of the vision. That's so good. So Pastor Dean, as we wrap up here, one thing to all the, this one specifically to all the young leaders that are listening out there, I think oftentimes we see, we hear these podcasts, we see videos online or whatever the case may be. And it always seems like other people's stories are always up and to the right. It's success after success after success. And even hearing your story, it sounds like, man, just 35 years of ministry success. It's fantastic. It's awesome. Um, But my story hasn't been that way so far. And so one of the things I like to ask all of our guests is, what is a, a misstep or a mistake that you've made, maybe even in correlation with what we talked about today, but not necessarily, um, that, that just, you know, that shows, look, we all make mistakes, and that it's, it's not all successes to get to where we are in the end. Um, what, what, would, what would that look like for you? Well, let me count the ways. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we do tend to tell our, our here's what we did right, and, and, uh, but we can learn as much from our mistakes. Um, I, would say, I would say assumption would be m- my continual mistake, and here's the way I would put it. Um, I've got staff that have worked for me for, for longer than shorter now, Well, uh, and, and maybe I haven't told them I love them, I appreciate them, mm. I think you're doing a great job. And so I assume that they know that because I'm not mad at them. I've not, you know, not had to reprimand them. I assume you know that. And then one of them will come and go, hey, I just wanted to know, am I doing, am I doing okay? Is everything going well? And then it hits me. Oh, I assume that you knew because I told you however long ago and that people are just as frail and insecure as I am. You know, I ask my wife every Sunday, how was that? (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know, uh, I'm looking for, was that good? How can I improve? And so too many times I think we assume that our people know that we love or care or respect and value them. And we have to communicate that and communicating in their love language. Um, I can tell somebody verbally all day long, they're doing a great job. And they go, yeah, he's just blowing hot air at me. I give them a $20 Starbucks card because their love language is gifts. And they're like, Oh, he thinks I'm amazing. You know? (laughs) Um, so, or if it's, if it's, uh, my children's pastor is, uh, if he's works of, uh, acts of service, if it's me saying as the lead pastor, Hey, let me go help you move that stage, uh, uh, and that just happened a couple of weeks ago. We had a portable stage and we're construct. I said, well, I'll help you move it. Come on. So I gave him 30 minutes and helped moved it. Well, what did I say to him? I, you're valuable to me and, and this ministry is, so I'm going to help you do this. Um, but then I would say, uh, the, one of the mistakes that I've made and where my frustration has come with staff or with volunteers 
is I assumed people knew what I knew. Mm. And, and that is probably one of my biggest leadership mistakes that where I don't know where I picked it up, where I learned it, how it got in me, but I just thought everybody, this is common sense. And, and many times we have to ask ourselves, is this person really being antagonistic and rebellious or is it really ignorance? Is this a character issue or just no one's told them this is the way you handle the situation? Um, you know, this is the way this, this is the appropriate way the situation should be um, led. And so I've had to, I've had to go back and with my staff teach the simplest of truths and reteach them over and over again to where it becomes a part of their, uh, part of their DNA. Um, you know, that it becomes a part of who we are. And I keep saying it and I keep saying it and I keep saying it. Um, and then, um, so I would say that, and then I am the leader that's always yelling charge. And I would say a big mistake that, um, I learned many years ago, and, and now it's a part of our weekly staff meeting, but uh, I would forget to celebrate the victories. Mm. You know, we'd, we'd have a good, a great youth event or church outreach event, and I would come into the meeting going, okay, here's what wrong, wrong with that, and here's, what, here's, here's how we can make it better next year, and now here's the next event we want to do, and there was no time to breathe or to celebrate or say, thank God for what he's done. And so every staff meeting, uh, the first five to, uh, usually it's within five to 10 minutes. Sometimes it even goes longer, depending on what God's been doing is we start every staff meeting is with share a praise report, share something cool that God has done in the last seven days in your personal life, in your department or in our church or in our community. And it is so fun to hear from all the different departments and to hear about a, uh, a four-year-old who, you know, was excited about their new classroom or to hear about a teenager that stepped out in their faith in their high school, to hear about a, a dad, you know, different and then different serving testimonies of how someone served. And so we just celebrate those victories each week. So those would be, I, the list could go on, Jared. That'd be a whole nother podcast if we keep going. <laughs> this has all been really great stuff. And I, I, man, I appreciate you stopping by and taking the time to talk with us. If anybody out there has more questions or is a church planner and wants to get in touch with you, what is the best way they can go about doing that? Okay. Uh, easiest way, and this is not a fake email. Uh, it's a real email is, uh, it's Dean, my first name, Dean at rockfamilychurch.com, and that goes straight to me. Um, I read my emails. I'd encourage people to, uh, um, uh, I, do a, I do a Dean Hawk Leadership Podcast. It's on iTunes. You Google it, you'll find it. Um, and then if anyone is interested, um, and I have guys that just take them and they make them better, but uh, uh, we don't have some of the H2O sermon store source stuff that I talked about earlier. Uh, that's kind of gone and out of date. But um, when we're just updating more and more at DeanHawk.com are all of my recent series sermons. I do series. I don't do individual sermons, but sermon series with the, 
the PowerPoint that you can convert to your uh, whatever software you're using, my sermon notes, an, an actual sermon outline, but my raw notes that I use, uh, fill-in-the-blank handouts, which I do, and, uh, and then some of the graphics for the series and stuff. And we just give that all away. It's a free download. So guys can take a part of that and adapt it for kids, youth, or adults, or, or young adults, whatever they're doing. Yeah, that's fantastic. Th- again, Pastor Dean, thanks so much for coming on the show today. It was an honor having you here. You bet, man. It's a privilege. God bless all of all of you that are out there in the trenches of ministry. Uh, just keep up the good work. And uh, maybe let me be that leader, uh, Jared. You guys are doing a good job. In fact, you're doing a great job. And what God sees you do in secret, He will reward you openly for. And and just know that your heavenly Father is pleased with your sacrifice and all that you're doing in the lives of the hearts of the people that you're ministering to. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the Leadership Podcast. Hey, if you have a question or a comment or you just want to get in touch with us for really any reason, you can find us online at creative underscore sheep. And as always, this show is brought to you by creativesheep.org. Be sure to check that out for all uh, pre-made media and uh, church media needs. Head over to creativesheep.org. I really didn't land the plane very well on this. (laughs) As I was getting into this, I I didn't think I was going to do a creative sheep push, but uh, I don't know. You might as well. It's all good. You might as well. Might as well. Might as well. Uh, Anything anything to add, Jared? Uh, No. Yeah, if you want to check out the show notes. Uh, Julianne, who writes uh, all of our show notes and keeps that up to date, does a phenomenal job. And you can head over to leadershippodcast.com. It'll take you to our archive of uh, podcast notes and and all that. So uh, that you can find where to get a hold of all of our guests and all that right there. Head over to leadershippodcast.com. Love it. We'll see you next time. Later. <laughs>